Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Better at Beach podcast. My name is Mark Burrick, and today we are running another episode of Quick Sets. Quick Sets are where we go to our members, the members on betteratbeach.com who have access to all of our training programs, all of our courses, and they get coached in our private Facebook group every day on their videos. Now, if you're interested in being a member, of course, go to betteratbeach.com forward slash coaching, and you'll be able to see exactly Exactly what we're talking about. But we take three questions from our members and we answer them in a podcast episode. And that's what we're going to do today. Just a note for me if you ever want to get your company, your products, your services in front of our immense and loyal and awesome beach volleyball audience, well, I want you to head over to this is a different URL to athleticstartup.com forward slash partner. We are looking to partner with some companies who are looking to advertise their services and grow their company. And we've got ad spots all over our podcast. So if you want me to talk about your company on our episodes, or if you want to run your own ad or commercial spot on one of our episodes, I want you to head over to athleticstartup.com forward slash partner. We'll also include the link in the show notes, but we'd love to see your business grow as well. Now, let's get to the podcast. Quick sets with Jake. What's up, Jake? Howdy. Uh, Yeah, let's get right into it. So these questions came from uh, the complete player program uh, on our private Facebook group. So Mark mentioned that before, but definitely you want to be in there if you can. So Follow all the links. Uh, Mark will prompt it again at the end of the episode, let you know where to go. But people are constantly posting videos of themselves, fitness-related, skill-related, and uh, just a great community there. So this uh, first one or two of these questions are going to come from uh, Sarah Muscleman. So Sarah, thank you for the questions. Who's been to three of our camps. She's she's a gem of a person, by the way. Sarah, if you're listening, we love you. Thanks for everything that you do for all of your friends and everybody at our camps. Um, and she's the most active poster. I mean, she's always posting videos and like getting after it. So I, I'm excited to, to answer a few of her questions on air. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so first one from Sarah. Uh, there's multiple ones, so we might come back to your other questions, Sarah. But first one is the importance of having a coach. So... This is an interesting one, right? Because I think a lot of people, they, you know, they're in organized sports when they're younger and maybe they play at a higher level, but once they get past a certain age or they're like, I just want to play volleyball for, for fun, or I want to play for competition, but they're doing it out of their own pocket and on their own time. A lot of people aren't training with other people, let alone having somebody train them or show them what to do. Mm. So the importance of having a coach, whether that's an online mentor or, going to camps or having somebody with you there every week. Maybe you can dive into that a little bit about maybe people at different parts of their lives and the importance of having one in general. You know, it's funny because this is, this is absolutely everything. Obviously we've built better at beach on the, on the idea that a coach is necessary. But one of the things that I always look to look at the world's best players, the people who you think know everything about the game and can perform at the game. How many coaches, guides, mentors, do they have? It seems like the better you are at a sport, the bigger your coaching staff actually becomes, 
right? Because then you get a nutritionist, you've got your skill coach, yeah, you've got your head coach, you probably have a personal trainer. And, you know, when you hit a certain financial bracket, then you've got like everybody working for you just in your household, right? You're trying to make yourself as efficient as possible. So I know that when we talk about coaches, a lot of people think that they can't afford them. And that's that's why we make our products on, on Better at Beach so affordable. We want people to have access to this. But people lose learning when they get older. And it's a tough fact, statistic fact of life that people don't have teachers anymore. You have bosses, bosses who don't teach, they just expect. That's tough to get through, right? You have people who are at the same level because you sign up for rec leagues, but you're not signing up for like club volleyball when you get older, when you're just kind of volunteering uh, your time instead of paying for the whole coach relationship. So for the, for the people who don't have coaches, mentors, business coaches, anything, there's no doubt that 100% you are stagnant. There's a problem when you try to think about the solution to all of your problems in your own mind, because you're only creating the cyclical reflection of your own thoughts. You are often trying to prove yourself right. You know, and when you're trying to prove yourself right, you, you dig your feet in harder or you dig your heels in harder to wherever you are. And then you're less likely to make a change and open yourself up. A coach, you know, when I'm, when I'm looking for coaches, I'm just begging, begging for them to find something wrong with me. I don't want them to prove me right. I want them to question everything that I've been doing and say, is there a better way? Now I'm mature enough. Um, I've had enough coaches where I say that I can pick up. Okay. I'm willing to change that. I'm willing to try this for two weeks. Um, or no, I, I tried that for months. It didn't work. It won't work. It's not my style. And you could recognize that over time, but if you don't have this fresh influx of ideas, uh, then you're not going to improve, but we can get all of these ideas on social media, right? We can listen to a podcast. We can watch a free YouTube video. We can do all this and we can say, all right, that's what I want to do. That's a great new idea. And then we attempt to do it. And then you thinking that you're doing it correctly is again, going back to that confirmation bias. You're trying to think, yeah, I tried to do it. So I probably did it. Whereas when we get to see you do it, in person or in our online or our private groups, or, you know, even with athletic startup, uh, when we're looking at people's websites, when we're looking at their emails, when we're looking at their opt-in forms, we can show you exactly what you're not doing. And then you can make those adjustments. So for me, I've paid <laughs> a lot of money for coaches in my life and I, and I continue to. And now I've even built a group of mentors for me, people who I know have absolutely dominated me financially and in business and everything. And we have this uh, WhatsApp group between us and we solve problems together. And the cool part about my personal group is that we actually have people from all different walks of life uh, and all different industries so that they can bring completely unique perspectives. And when we have that, when we have the ability to think outside the box or we just present a few problems, you know, every time I'm like, hey, hey, I don't quite know how to sell this house. Hey, I don't know how to do a 1031 exchange. And when you're talking about volleyball, it's, 
hey, I'm trying to teach this kid how to, how to get their elbow down because their elbow is actually too high when they're bringing it back for an arm swing. What tools do you have? At Better at Beach, we get these uh, at camps. We get 13 coaches in one area and people kind of laugh at me because I coach less at our camps now. Um, but I go and I, uh, and I coach the coaches, our structure, our process. But really, I go around and I sit next to these courts and all I do is I just add to my toolbox because when I see another coach coach, then I go, oh my gosh, what a great way of saying that. What a great way of explaining that um, or getting an athlete to do something in a certain way. So that's, that's what I love about our camps is that I can learn so many new tools from all of our coaches and, and how they do things and say things. But if you're not, if you don't have a coach, I, I promise you that you're limiting your growth because you don't see the right path or you can just go along the right the one path thinking that you're on the right path for too long when somebody could very easily point you in the other direction um, and then they can save you years. And we've said this on another podcast, I think, Jake, but it's like the people who say, I'll start tomorrow. Or, yeah, I'll get a coach when it becomes a problem or when I really want it. It's like, all right, if you have a goal and you say, I'm going to start chasing my goal on January 1st and today's December 1st, you are a year, you're a month worse than you could have been. Like next month, you could have been a month better and then you could be on another level looking to hit the other level. But instead you wait and you don't hire that coach and, and you don't find the mentor. There's another thing to that. And I know I'm taking over. Sorry, Jake, but like, this is passionate for me. Like my hey. coach, my life is coaching. You're killing it. <laughs> um, a lot of people don't have the elite coaches in their neighborhood, right? Or, or easily accessible. But what you do have is you have another eye, another set of eyes that you can look at. So even if somebody is at the same level as you, just like I was talking about with our camp coaches, like, have we been coaching the same number of years? Yeah. Are we coaching at the same or different levels? Some of us are NCAA coaches, some are uh, national team coaches, and some just coach groups on local beaches, right? And some are, are just playing pro and they run a clinic every now and then. But if, if you're at the same level as somebody else, they will see things slightly differently. Now, people say, Okay, well, then my partner could just tell me what's, what I'm doing wrong instead of a coach. Your partner's got their own stuff to deal with. And unless you tell them this is your role right now for the next hour, two hours, three hours, they can't dedicate all of their time, energy, and thinking ability into helping you solve a problem or trying to see what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. And we see this in every industry Volleyball, sports, business, you see these monster companies bring in monster business consultants to help fix things, see what we're not seeing while we're in the trenches, right? And that is what's going to bring a company, a team, a player, an athlete to another level. Now, the advantage of Better at Beach is that we can coach you anywhere, anytime. We've created a platform where you post your skills you post your workouts and we're in there and within 24 
within 24 hours, we're giving you high level feedback for lifting technique for volleyball technique and even strategy and decision-making. But if you don't want that and you think that there's somebody at a decent level near you and you just say, Hey, can you feed me for an hour, 90 minutes, two hours, and just let me know if I'm doing these things or let me know if you see anything. The only thing that you have to do then is just drop your ego and say, even though they're at the same level, I'm going to try what they're telling me. I wouldn't really recommend hiring somebody that you think is like definitely worse than you on the knowledge trail. Um, Cause I know it from pickleball when I see my idiot friends try, <laughs> try to coach each other and I've got the tennis background and I'm like, Oh gosh, this is what, this is what happens when bad coaches try to coach. Um, and that, yeah, they're given all sorts of random advice. You're like, nah, all right, but I'm not coaching today. I'm just playing pickleball. So I'll let it slide. <laughs> uh, that's, and that's, that's what happens when you, you get somebody who's definitely, um, far behind you in that knowledge trail or that experience trail same experience okay pick up try a few things obviously the more experience you can get in a coach uh somebody who you know has, has shown some success just get them even if it's it's for one hour like we tell all of our campers one fix that we help you make at a camp or at a class is worth thousands of points for the rest of your life. If we can fix one situation, one passing inefficiency, one piece of setting footwork that will that will make setting easier, how many more thousands and thousands of times are you going to do that at a better level? And then once you do that at a better level, then you can see the next level. But until you make that first step, you can't even see level three. Because from level one, you can only see level two. From level two, you can only see level three. You can't yet see level four. So you have to jump those levels in order to do that. You have to hear stuff and try stuff that you're not willing to do on your own or that you can't see on your own. So video everything. See if anybody will look at it and just give you their open and honest critique and try to find anyone who is at the same level or even slightly above to say, I'm going to dedicate this hour only to helping you get better. I'm not playing. I'm not here for anything else, but I'm, I'm going to give it to you. And uh, that's my take on why you need a coach and how you can get a coach if you just don't think they're available. And if you don't think they're available or you don't know where they are, post. We have social media everywhere. You have all the connections. Just post. I need a coach who really knows what they're doing with arm swing. I need a coach who really knows how to teach passing. Does anybody know who's doing this? And you'll have a connection somewhere and you'll find it. So, um, and if you don't want to find it in your area, you know where to find us better at beach.com. We can fix all that for you real quick. Right. And not just a coach, but like we've talked about it before of posting just for people. Cause there's people out there like-minded like you who want to do what you want. Right. So it's like, if you, are kind of stuck at the recreation level and you play with a bunch of people that don't want to do anything more than have a couple drinks and, mm -hmm. and you know, they're hitting it over on the, on the first touch or something like that. You know, it's like you need to find those people. And I think once you're with that group, you can work together or then you're more encouraged to, to get a coach from there. Right. So 
it almost starts from that ground level of like be in the environment that you want and uh and you'll kind of find your way from there but you know it falls on you it's dropping the ego it's uh taking the onus on yourself and you know it's got to come from you you can't drag the water the horse to water whatever that quote is right so um, yeah, no dragging horses around. No here. dragging horses unless you want to get jacked. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of sled pulls. <laughs> yeah, we're doing it the old old fashioned way. Yeah, just fight a horse in reverse directions. Yeah. But no That'd be like, amazing. It's it's kinda like you said, like, you know, you and I both play tennis and we both play volleyball, but I I just made it on my uh it's called like an interurban team for tennis. So basically you Let's play, go. Yeah, so you go and play different clubs and stuff and it's like intense. Like we're going to be playing intense university level athletes and our coaches talking about communication and hand signals and stuff we never did. But it's hmm. because he's so good and respected that he can control an area of 20 people and everybody's going to be, you know, so whether it's group lessons, one-on-ones, finding that person who you're like, I'm going to listen to what this person says because they, they whoop me, they baggle me 6-0 every time I play them. So they must know something I don't. Right? Wait. In in all of Canada, do you guys say bagel? That's that's what we say when you lose six zero. You don't say bagel. <laughs> I didn't realize you were talking about the way I say. It. Is that, <laughs> I don't is know. that is that an all Canada thing? I don't know. Let me go ask bagel. <laughs> like the short the short a dude. I don't know. I don't I gotta, know we gotta get that on. <laughs> on dictionary.com or something it might just be it might just be a me thing (laughs) no i mean i think some people say it we definitely don't say it that way in new york um and i have you got new york waggle that's like waggle new york has your own like a whole bunch of different things apart yeah we do i mean waggle baggle (laughs) all right cool um guys if you're listening (laughs) (laughs) let us know how you say baguette (laughs) <laughs> Bagel. Our next question is from Bagel, actually. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's oh, get on. What do we got next from the members? Okay. So the next one is uh, from Sarah also. And this is one that I couldn't believe. You know, you talk about making one adjustment at a camp. And when I was at your camp, or at Better Beaches Camp, before I was uh, working for you, the vision, like taking a quick look, is something I never did. So hyper-focused mm. on on the ball when I'm doing my approach and, you know, just taking that split second to be like, well, is this guy on the net? Is he off? Is he, is he rushing over to block me? Where's the defender? You can get so much more information in a split second than you think you can with still being able to be in proper position. So Sarah wants to know what's the, important, uh, the importance of bagels, the importance of vision. <laughs> <laughs> the importance of vision uh, on the on the court and uh so that you can create bagels yeah, create, for the other team. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, t- uh so to me vision is everything and it should be taught at the exact same time that you learn your first footwork. You know, like your footwork, your foot sequence, your arm sequence should happen with your eyes. I think a lot of coaches just teach the footwork then they teach the arm swing, then they teach how to jump and how to stay behind the ball. And then once all that is, is nice and fixed and flowy, then they say, now let's add in the vision. And that's wrong. You, you should be looking the entire time. 
you know, I, I make a joke with our higher level courts and our open guys. And I go, of course, you guys are looking every single time during that play, right? Because you're, you're our high level court and you know that that is an automatic. And they're like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And they give me the funny, like, yeah, we were definitely doing that, but they're not. Uh, so what, one of the things that I always ask the question to social media or to people, I say, at what level do you think you must jump? You have to jump to be able to win a tournament. So if we put uh, me and Brandon out there and we couldn't jump, could we win a beginner tournament? Yeah, for sure. For sure. If we played a B, which is just above beginner, could we win that without jumping? Probably. For sure. Yeah. A might get close depending on who's sandbagging. <laughs> <laughs> right? In a women's tournament, yeah, we'd crush that, right? Just because we're already um, five or six inches above uh, the top of the net. So it's like we're, we might even be higher than some A-level women um, hitting, and we don't even have to sacrifice. We can hold on to our vision longer. Double A for men. This is where it starts getting tough to say, okay, you know, I'm going to need to jump. I'm going to need to stop somebody with a block because the passing and the setting are consistent. Athletes are bigger and people are making less hitting errors. All right. So if you know that, if you know that you can develop your ball control, your passing, your setting, and that all you have to do is be able to see the court and place the ball where you need to without jumping and you can win a tournaments without needing to jump how important is vision? Like if you added jumping plus that, should we even be teaching approaching without vision? So, so I could argue that no. I could argue that like I'm going to teach you standing game uh, for a long time before we even do this because I want you to be able to win a point on a free ball. I want you to be able to win a point when somebody has to, when, when you get a crap set and you still need to send that ball over the net. So that's something that USC did at their practice when I was watching them uh, or the USC coaches. They had this game where they like their warm up game is one overs. So everybody's kind of playing tennis. So you're looking while you're pursuing your ball, then two overs with no spikes. So pass and then bump over, pass and then bump over, uh, then two overs with a hand contact and then it built up to three and then you could jump on two then you could jump on three and so at, at, at every level the progression was we're looking for the other side of the court before we're sending it over there you know you're spotting it you're intentionally aiming where they're not and i think as soon as people jump they just forget that they should be aiming when you choose a power swing you choose cross or line and that's it you know and, and that's that's checkers not chess I was and just so, gonna say with chess, like I was thinking of a like an analogy, like that's like if somebody learns like the most statistically probable way of doing moves in chess, and they just do that every time, but they're not mm -hmm. focusing on what the other person's doing. They're just always, you know, the other person if they're actively learning, they're gonna start beating you after the second or third time, you know, right? And you're just gonna keep jumping up and swinging as hard as you can, which there's a place for it, and you know, maybe more an in indoor, I guess, but like. 
you know, at a certain time, if you don't know where you're, you're trying to put the ball or mm. if you don't have control of it and you're just going for a hundred every time, you're also going to make more errors, right? If you, if, yeah. you're, if you don't know where you are in relation to the court or the other team. But even with indoor, like your vision sequence is still, it's not as hard a look because you have no choice really to shoot. Um, it's more of a desperate or a very rare, like they're all sitting deep on me. I, you know, this is going to be open, but now your vision has to be peripheral. So you have to know when there's two blockers up, when there's three blockers up, like, Oh, all these doors are closed. Um, so now I have to rip the finger pet, the, the fingertips, mm -hmm. right. Or if they set up that triple block and you're on that, that outside sideline for those people who are beach purists, sorry, we're doing a little indoor talk right now, but if you get a triple block in front of you and that outside hitter didn't close the pin, so he's not blocking that antenna, boom, there's my tool spot, right? Without seeing that or having that peripheral ability in front of me, I don't know what to go for. And yeah, you could just hit hard, but that's not what high level players do either. And I, and I don't like when people say like, oh, well, in indoor, you just hit as hard as you can. It's, no, you're still, you're spotting every single swing. Mm -hmm. Like you just know how to spot it and you're making sure that you rip a lot of it hard. But like guys like Riley Salmon, um, who was one of the one of the guys that I looked up to on the indoor national team in 2008 when they won the gold medal, he was six six, but he didn't jump. Like didn't have a good jump. He was there to pass and play defense. And when they did, rarely set him. He got a kill by using outside hands. Hmm. You know, so he had to see enough to know where the edge of somebody's wrist was. Not just a beach player who needs to see a whole body on a half of a court. He needed to see a wrist, yeah. you know, while in the air and then aim for that. So uh, that vision is everything. And can you win without vision as well? So can you throw that argument right back at me and say, when do you need to look to be able to win a tournament? Yeah, you could throw that back at me. Um, but in the meantime, I'm going to be winning B tournaments, <laughs> you know, without cramping or sweating. Um, and it's just going to make you that much better. So if it's uncomfortable for you, but you know you need it to be at the next level, you just got to embrace that discomfort and look, and you are going to be garbage for a few weeks, and then it's going to be so easy. Yeah, <laughs> It's going to be so easy after that, um, but you got to embrace that garbage time first. Well, let's, well, you even use vision as a different way of looking about it is no pun intended. Like our last, uh, one of our last episode, uh, episodes, um, how to pass a short ball. You talk about the vision of seeing what they're doing before they're even hitting their serve. So that's another way to stuff. You maybe even never looked for before of how somebody's lining up defensively, what they're doing with their serve, where they're about to hit the ball, stuff that you think isn't going to make a difference or you could even perceive before the more you're trying to see those things. And your mm -hmm. mind is open to them, the more you're going to be just like that split second ahead, probably of everybody else, right? So that's even oh, another yeah. way to look at it for sure. Yeah. Guys, you have to look. You have to look on every single swing. If you need to run down a free ball running backwards, like still get a look at the court to see where their crappy player is so that at least you send the free ball to the right half of the court. People think that they get a terrible set and, oh, they got to send a free ball, so they just chuck it back there. Is your answer usually deep middle? Yes, your answer is usually fast deep middle when you're in trouble. But if they have some garbage player 
on the other side of the court and you know that they're just going to hit it out or bury it into the net yet again, right? You, then you give it to them. Send it to their middle shoulder instead of just deep middle so that you can exploit that. Without looking, you can't even send a good free ball. So let me, let me ask look, you this. there's no excuses and I'll, I'll, I'll be angry with it. <laughs> Jerks. Yeah. Let me ask you this question. So on that, and I know we talk about other sports, but me and Mark just play a whole bunch of other sports, but on that tennis team, the coach talked about intimidation and he talked about if he has the opportunity to put a ball away, he's going to hit it at the better player. Interesting to, you know, if you have like a, a for sure kind of like smash at the net or something like that, you could 100% get the point from the easier player and maybe 99% from the better player. But do you think that has a place in volleyball? If you got a free shot, would you, you know, getting in their heads a little bit to make them miss a dig because you're swinging out on them? Or I just think you got to go one step deeper and you have to know the guy you're messing with. True. And how they're going to um, take that. Some people, like, let's let's talk about like Adrian Karambula and Nick Lucena. Like, Nick Lucena is a legitimate college boxing champion actual okay you know um club boxing champion he likes fights <laughs> he wants you to get him angry adrian same thing michael jordan he was the same way right he was just looking for a fight to pick no matter what it was casey jennings was was this way um so you have to know if you're gonna wake a sleeping beast or not you know you could keep people asleep and just kind of inch by inch beat them without them knowing. Um, but if you're, if you're not also studying their emotional reactions, that's how I would make that decision. I wouldn't say that it would be a hundred percent like, yeah. Hey, you win this point on intimidation and, and then you stare down their big dog. <laughs> like, yeah, that's um, even... maybe don't fire up the big dog. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, that's even deeper vision, right? Looking at how other people play and it goes so it's deep. It goes so much emotional deeper. vision. Yeah, emotional vision. We're getting into superpowers now. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to the last question here because we're okay. we're just flying through. But uh, Luke Blanchett asked. Um, oh, nice. New member. Yeah, he's been posting. I think he just got a three inch boost in his vertical from our um, just from our mobility for volleyball program. Nice. I just, I wish I could share a screenshot on this right now, but, um, just through unlocking and through doing the, the training every day, it's a 21 day challenge. Um, head over guys to better forward slash mobility. Uh, Luke, I know it sounds weird to say that mobility can get you uh, a vertical jump, but we add in a bunch of rehab and strength exercises every day. And it's a 21 day challenge and you actually unlock your body and get yourself moving. But at the end of the three weeks, you saw a three inch, uh, vertical increase which yeah, you're going to say like, no, that's BS. It's not BS because you get your body moving and you say, Hey, I'm going to actually exercise. I'm going to be explosive again. I'm going to learn what it's like to move strength and produce force again. And you unlock your hip flexors, your hamstrings, your low back so that it actually allows you to jump. Are you going to increase your, your vertical every or three inches every three weeks with our programs? No, no program will do that for you. But can we get you a solid five or six in 10 weeks of our programming? Yep, Happens all the time over and over again. Uh, if you want to see for yourself, head to betterbeach.com forward slash workout or betterbeach.com forward slash mobility for that rehab and mobility program. So uh, cool that, that you mentioned Luke right there. I didn't even know that was going to be the guy. No, that's so cool to hear. Like 
even to hear, hear about the mobility part, you know, I think I did, I signed up for the vertical jump maybe a year, year and a half ago. And you just, you know, hit that home so much in the beginning. You're like, we're not going to be doing deep, heavy squats until I know you can do a, a deep squat on your own and get down there yeah. without, you know, everything popping and your back hurting like crazy. And I think that's so important, right? Because that's what it comes down to in the beginning. And then you build the strength on top of that. But the fact that he's getting those gains just from unlocking the hips and making sure everything's a WD 40. Uh, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> I was worried if that, that was a weird way of Canadian saying that too, but anyway, Foiled up. Um, so yeah, so as Luke, long as he didn't say WD 40. <laughs> Luke's, Luke's asking, um, as a small player, I think he said he's a five, six, five, eight, something like that, something around that range, but just small player in general, I guess, compared to, you know, we get a lot of tall players on, uh, in volleyball in general, but he's wondering as a small player or as a small team, how can you handle a taller team or a taller player? Um, and he also wants to know how to play with a tall player. If that makes a difference at all as a small player. Hmm. Uh, yeah, beach volleyball comes down to pass and set. No matter how tall you like height gives you this weird advantage where if you somehow created a situation where a great set happens close to the net, then the tall person has an undeniable advantage. But there's a lot that goes into that first. They got to have a pretty decent pass. Uh, their setter has to have this great opportunity uh, to set the ball or an ability to fix garbage. You know, there are great setters out there who make crap passers look way better than they should be. And if you get a crap passer who's really tall, well, then you have Ryan Darty and you're seven foot one and you can get to the AVP in a year of training, right? Because you had somebody like Casey Patterson who can set dimes from anywhere, no matter what. And he gets seven foot one guy two feet from the net all the time and he can just slap down. Now, if you don't have a Casey Patterson setter, if you don't have somebody who can set dimes no matter what, then that bad passer is going to be a liability. And no matter how tall they are, you're still going to get maybe two out of 10 swings on the net, right? So passing and setting, setting trumps all. Passing gives you an advantage to create easier sets. And then, we, you know, we can talk about vision and then jumping, right? Uh, a tall person, yeah, they're going to have different angles where they have that advantage when they're on the net. But you can create the disadvantage by making sure that they don't pass well, making sure that you're choosing spots to serve, putting them in trouble. So it's, it's not about beating a tall person. It's can you pass and set at a higher level more consistently than whoever you're facing, no matter the height. And if you can't pass and set, <laughs> Sean Rosenthal said this on one of our podcasts a long time ago. I said, what is your advice to, uh, to future players out there? And he didn't give numbers or statistics. He said, well, learn to pass better than you do. Learn to set better than you do. And he didn't give a number. He didn't say you have to be at this level. He said, no matter what level you're at, if you want to be better, pass better, set better. There is no cap. There's no ceiling. Um, just keep going. So that's that's how you, you have to win the pass and set battle. And that comes with serving. That comes with when you need to send a free ball. 
you know, creating havoc um, when you send that free ball. And height just, it's at my level or once I started playing qualifiers competently, <laughs> height didn't matter at all to me because I was able to exploit so much so so many tall people you know it, it takes a lot to learn how to block to penetrate to time things well to be a passer and a setter and you can have a seven foot partner but if they can't set or they can't transition it's garbage like let's i'll, I'll take david lee who he's a friend i love the guy i looked at him i watched him win an olympic gold medal right he's just like this bamf and can hammer and crush He's gotten to the point where he can get into an AVP as a gold medal winning volleyball player who's six, nine, he can get into the AVP, but he can't win any matches because his passing struggles, his setting is pretty off and he doesn't know how to transition effectively. He still hasn't learned how to hit a high ball because he's hit fastballs his entire life. Right. So he, he really, really has struggled in that way. And that's one of those things where you got a guy who won a gold medal, who's a freak athlete, who is taller, can jump higher than everybody. And he can get to AVP because he can get those blocks and he can be physical. But he can't get beyond that level until he learns how to play transition volleyball, um, be able to hit higher sets and pass better and set better. Right. So it's just one of those examples that height can have advantages, but it certainly is not close to everything. Um, I will, I would love to play a seven footer who is a mediocre passer or setter. No problem with that. And I guess it comes down to when you're attacking and maybe have that looming block in front of you, whether it's, uh, whether it's Luke, who's, you know, five, seven against, uh, six, three guy, or are you at six, three against a seven footer? Mm -hmm. uh, it comes back down to the vision, right. Of exploiting what they're not doing right. And taking a look at what, what they keep messing up on the block and hitting them there. And even if you got that big wall in front of you, like, it sounds like you don't have a problem with it. If you kind of know what to look for and where they're weak, or maybe they can yeah. get the first ball up, but if they're getting tired after doing that first block and running around back to their approach and, you know, do you know how much how much shot space is available behind a six, three or under blocker. It is so easy to shoot against that person, but people haven't learned how to look and see what's open. So they don't know how to get it over this, you know, mediocre or medium height blocker. And they don't know how to hit that cut shot. They go in without seeing the court, but Behind a guy doesn't, I mean, okay, unless you're you know, five feet tall, whatever. Um, behind a blocker who's 6'3", that ball does not have to get high into the air in order to land and beat the defender. You just got to make the right decisions. I think maybe some people are just trying to hit. I was just gonna and say. when you're just trying to hit against a big boy without seeing, without vision, yeah, you're going to get stuffed. In that case, train yourself like you like an OH2 or uh, you know a weaker outside hitter from indoor and learn how to jump, hit a ball off a wall, and cover it. Like, go to a rock climbing gym, <laughs> toss to yourself, jump, tap the ball into, into that wall, 
and then drop down and play it to yourself. Yeah. Like the people who just don't know how to cover themselves after they get blocked. I know every time, as soon as I contact the ball, if I'm getting blocked or not, right? It's rare that I'm not. So as soon as I contact the ball and I see that person moving in my periphery to a, a spot where they're blocking me, I'm in the air ready to cover myself. Yeah. And this is something that Triborn and Trevor do well when they're playing together. They did immaculately well. It was crazy to see how many cover balls they got and how many people just get blocked. And as soon as the blocker touches their swing, they think the, the point's over. I will intentionally recycle a ball into a blocker three or four times at a point until I get my swing or my opening. But that and then means I'll go you looked. It. That means you looked, right? And Oh, yeah. But yeah, I, I think that's a big one too. I was going to ask you, how many people do you think at, at maybe the you know intermediate level are saying they have a problem with bigger blockers, but they're just trying to go out and hit really hard? And to that, you can almost say, watch any high-level match or AVP match mm -hmm. of a comparison of maybe a smaller hitter versus a big blocker. And yeah, they can hit out. All these guys can swing super hard, Taylor Crab, and you know, but they're not probably. What do you think the percentage is of how much that they're hitting? You know, their big eighty to one hundred percent hits versus cut shots, and you know, yeah, it's line. usually like eighty twenty um, in general. Uh, at the World Tour, it gets a lot higher. You know, people want to hit, want to hit more. Just because the blockers are that big, the defenders are a lot faster and right. a lot taller. Right. You know, so now the shots have a chance of falling less. You know, even if you're tall, right, um, and the blocker's tall, the height that the ball needs to be, so how far from the ground the ball needs to, to go in order to pass a high blocker, that creates time. You know, another way of looking at that is, okay, if you are really short and then you do need it to get it over a big blocker, yes, now you've got the time that it takes the ball to go up to a certain height and then roll back down towards the floor to get that. So that's where you get that advantage from a tall person over a short person. But if you can look, man, you're just going to win double A's without a problem. <laughs> I think it, it goes back to... Uh... You know, I've heard you and Brandon talk about this in a podcast, but also you told me when we were playing a couple of the better players at one of the camps and you said, just cause you're hitting a shot doesn't mean it needs to be an arcing shot. Oh, right. And yeah. you know, I've heard you guys talk about this too, that a lot of people when they're learning shots, they're kind of coming from underneath it and they don't really do an approach. And you know, if you think about that, think about how much time you're losing, like just you're, you're jumping underneath. Not only are you telegraphing what you're doing. But mm -hmm. if you want to beat those big guys and pick those spots and pick them apart, you got to still be doing your normal approach and you're not hitting these up big rainbow yeah. balls necessarily. You're, you're hitting them still straight into the spot. They just have a little bit more ladder down, right? The only swing in volleyball that should have an arc is a jumbo, which is the shot that goes over the head of the defender and lands behind them. And that's so rare. Everything else, if possible, should be flat or down. And then if it's not possible, as flat as possible, as down as possible. But get rid of the arc. That'll destroy any offense. Nice. Cool, man. I think that wraps it up. Um, so if you guys are listening on uh, any of the platforms, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Google, 
leave us a review, uh, leave us a comment anywhere you can. Um, if you're on social media, let us know what you want to hear about for the next episodes. Cause uh, we love doing them and, uh, you know, questions coming from the people are, are better than me just making them up on the spot. So, uh, Mark, if you want to throw out anything, any places people can go that we've talked about today or. Yeah, guys. Um, we did talk a lot about, uh, coaching and we do have an email list and an email series specifically for coaches as well as a bunch of tools specifically for coaches and club directors. So I just want you to head over to this page and see what we got because we've got 53 fully built out practice plans, video demonstrations. Um, I'm building a coaching manual for the people on our list so that they can utilize that. We also have a club program. So a club wide program for directors and coaches who have growing clubs or high school teams, and they want to give a training system and an education system and more tools for their players and their coaches, you can do that all at betteratbeach.com forward slash coach, and you could become one of our training partner clubs uh, where we can help you, help your coaches, and all help your players together in our own little system. Um, and you can give all of our tools, uh, you can give your players access to all of our tools. So we'd love to help you with that. If you are a coach, head over to betterbeach.com forward slash coach. And today we talked a lot about offense and we have two great training programs on Better at Beach. One of them is our attacking course, okay? Side out and win tournaments. That takes about eight weeks and it gives you uh, exercises, drills and video homework that you have to post into our private Facebook group so that we can help you fix your technique. And we also have a program, a 21 day program called fix your arm swing, where it's actually a full shoulder rehab and realignment program. So if you have shoulder pain, or if you think you're not getting enough power, you're struggling to uh, gain power or even like get serves over the net. This is a great program for you. It's called the fix your arm swing program. When you sign up for any of our programs online, you get access to all of the programs. So I will give you the page. It's called betteratbeach.com forward slash coaching. <laughs> coaching, I-N-G. And that's where you can sign up for our entire library. Uh, and then you can start in the attacking course or the arm swing course if you are so interested. And like Jake said, leave us a review, guys. It helps. Um, and if you thought it was a cool episode, please share it with your friends. And that's all I got for today. That was a, that was a long quick set, but yeah. we did it. We did it. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, for me and Jake, thanks for coming. And uh, reach out. And, of course, we'll see you on the sand. <laughs>